and welcome to A Star to Steer Her By. Today is our 10 forward where we will be discussing Galaxy Quest. Woo! I'm Chris and joining me today are... Ames, Caitlin, and Jake. So we're not going to bother with a long synopsis, because movies are complicated. Also, you should just watch the movie. Yeah, watch fucking Galaxy It's so Quest. good. Yeah, seriously. It's basically, you know, if Seven Samurai and Three Amigos had a little science fiction baby, this is your movie. The very short version is that a bunch of people from a Star Trek-like show who now basically have no careers save going to conventions get hired, for lack of a better term, by... Scripted. Conscripted by a race of aliens who have seen the show but think it's historical documents, have perfectly recreated the ship and technology and everything, and have them fight off this this horrible lizard bug man because they don't know how to do it themselves, and along the way everyone learns valuable things about things. And it's hilarious. It's yeah. so funny. It's yeah. hilarious. Like, the, the, the comic timing and segues and acting it's all fantastic yeah it's a good cast too it's an amazing cast yeah there are also some really heart-wrenching moments yeah some more heart-wrenching than others there were at least there were two for me where i was really wrenched well name, name your two Oh man! Well, it probably goes without saying that spoilers abound from here. Oh, on. yeah, no, we are we are assuming you've watched the movie or don't well, give a fuck. I just you know it's the first like two minutes. I don't want no, to. No, I know. Be I like, just... yeah, spoiler. Yeah, yeah. So for me. When Quillick, Quillick, when Quillick died, oh, he was so sweet. I was very unhappy. I was actually crying, and I was angry at this movie. Like this is like just the next in a line of like, you know, feel good science fiction films that have made me cry. Because the original Star Trek makes me. The, or sorry, no. When I say the original Star the Trek, original the original reboot, the Kelvin timeline Star Trek. I fucking wept like a baby in the middle of the movie theater when uh, George Kirk George Kirk's ship oh. blows up. I was like, <laughs> Star Trek, why? I was gonna say, what's sad happened? Fucking in five yeah. minutes in, like, in the first five. Yeah, well, Spock has to watch his whole planet implode. Yeah, but who gives a shit? I'm just mm. kidding. I mean, it's, what's interesting about that scene, though, is, of course, it's so it's 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 destruction on such an unimaginable scale. Yeah, and we're also not connected with anyone really specifically on Vulcan. Yeah, like we we're connected see... with the one person off Vulcan, and that's oh, well, it. And he doesn't have a big reaction. Yeah, but we didn't really get to know that version of her as much. Like it's it's more detached, so it's obviously sad in a way, but it's not like you know watching George Kirk knowing he's dying, sending a farewell message to his wife while she gives birth. Like that mm. was. You also just don't expect it in again a Star Trek movie. So what? Okay, never mind. We'll, we'll wait for. We'll wait yeah, for we're Star waiting Trek. on Sorry, yeah, talk about this one. But um, but yeah. So Quillick dying made me cry, sad mm. tears. And when Tim Allen had to tell Enrico Colantoni's character that <gasps> Mathazar had to tell Mathazar that they were actors, I was like, I couldn't because I so like I have a deep and like long-lasting love of Enrico Colantoni. He was played uh, Keith Mars in Veronica Mars, and I, like, fell in love with him on that show. Like, I was just like, he's just such a cute little dad. I always thought it was because of Just Shoot Me. He was going to Just Shoot Me, too. I didn't see Just Shoot no, Me. No, I know you hadn't, but that's why I was just no. being wise. That was a funny show. I liked Just Shoot Me. I was a big fan of it at the time. He was a, a photographer, right? Yes, he was. All right, in eight years, do you guys want to do a Just Shoot Me podcast? <laughs> Not really. Okay. You, I mean, he does. If you can play a Thermian, 
then you're an amazing actor. This is true. Because the Thermians, they're so fucking weird. Yeah. And everything, like, I swear, like, how much of this was them just, like, finding things for them to do? Like, I'm sure in the script, it wasn't the second, like, like you're touched, you, you make a funny, like, noise. Yeah. yeah. Like, how much of this did they discover along the way? I actually had a question that I wondered if you might know the answer, because you do a lot of research. I, did, I only did a little research for the movie, but Damn go on. It. I was wondering if... They knew that they wanted them to talk that way, or like if Enrico Colantoni came in and talked that way, and they were like, "Yup, that's it," and everyone has to do it that way. Mm. I think there were there were probably at least some guidelines because they're they're not humans; they're imitating human human movements, human. like because they walk funny, they clap funny, they they make... are you a Thermian? <laughs> are you a, are you a Ferengi? <laughs> Females. Human female. I might be. I won't tell. Uh, but no, they're they're super cool. What I did read, which is even even funner, is that Missy Pyle, the Thermian playing Leliari, and we'll get to her in a second because she's fucking awesome. She is awesome. Um, the background role until Steven Spielberg happened to be wandering around the set one day, helping out or something, and he saw her like doing stuff, and he says, "Wow, she's really good. You should expand her role." And then they included the the romance with Tony Shalhoub, which makes me all kind of squee. Hmm. I love that that wasn't originally in the script. That's amazing. I think that Monk would be horrified by the relations. That <laughs> oh, Fred or oh, Frank or whatever his name Fred. was. Yeah, Fred, Fred Kwan. Tech uh, Sergeant Chen, not his real name. Yeah, now speaking of Tech Sergeant Chen and Fred Kwan, I, I was trying to figure this out, and maybe this is, because I don't know if the film was implying this, that he, that in the spirit of James Doohan or uh, Walter Koenig playing ethnic characters, oh. that they were not, if they were trying to imply that Tony Shalhoub was playing like a Chinese character. <laughs> Because in, when they showed him, like, on the when they, at the very beginning of the movie, when they show the intro to the show, like, it zooms in on him and he squints, like, really weirdly. Oh. And I'm like, is he, is the, is the implication that they just oh, got, no. they hired, like, some really Jewish-looking guy. <laughs> or is he Jewish? I don't know if he's Jewish. Well, so that's, that's he's Jewish. <laughs> I think, I think you're kind of, I've always kind of wondered, too, like, are they bringing the whole, like, you know. he's Lebanese. Yeah, are they bringing the whole, like, Dewin and Koenig thing to its sort of most ridiculous conclusion? Are they making fun of whitewashing? Hmm. You know, because, like, like he, it's easy to miss. And I actually, I think this is the first time I've ever heard it, and I've seen this movie a bunch of times. Fred Kwan isn't his name. Yeah, he mentions right. He that. says, you know, tell you my real name. So, like, I, I also kind of wonder, though, if it's partially also the fact that, kind of goofing on the fact that Tony Shalhoub is one of those actors who has played all sorts of ethnicities because, to Hollywood, he looks just ethnic enough like yeah. him and Alfred Molina and that Nimoy got it a lot too really yeah apparently before Star Trek he well, played a he, lot of like he, Asian characters he, yeah he passes that for Chinese that because of that me. rice picker incident <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah I know him and there's that guy from uh he's been in much better movies but the guy from the Transformers films the tall lanky fella I can't think of his name. He's oh, he he plays Hispanic a lot. Maybe he is Hispanic. Is that who I'm t- thinking of? Am I thinking of the right guy? Possibly. He's in the Big Lebowski. Yeah, he yeah. plays like he's even. What's what's his name? Even? I can't is think it G- of it. Is it Jesus? Oh, in the movie, oh. it's yeah, yeah. Oh, John Turturro. Yeah, John Turturro. Oh, John Turturro. He, he plays like he's again just ethnically vague enough. He's a chameleon. He, he plays all sorts of ethnicity. So I think it was. One part just Shelhoub's actually actually actual career, and yeah, maybe the whole doing and yeah. caning thing, and again, sort of sh- but like goofing it's, it's on whitewashing. Like, yeah, I wonder if if the squinting is 
coincidental. I'm, I wouldn't read that part into that I, kinda, I, I don't know. But I mean, his it's name an is interesting Tech theory. Sergeant Chen. Well, I kind of wondered that as and well. He's clearly not Chinese. Yeah. I, I honestly kind of wondered that as well. The squint was meant to be sort of a racist thing, but he does it later not in character as Tech Sergeant Chen, so I think it's just something Tony Shalhoub does with I his wonder, face. I wonder if it's also a little bit that, you know, because Star Trek was meant to be a diverse cast, and, you know, they, they've got an African-American on on the helm if they wanted to, like, have it more be diverse, but only could find white guys mm. in, you know, in World and Galaxy Quest mm. that... As if the show was looking specifically for and the producers more were just I mean, lazy. Yeah, I mean, there was also a, an interview I heard with Tony Shalhoub on, I, on. It was like Terry Gross interview or something with Tony Shalhoub, and he was talking about how he grew up in you know flyover country, U.S. like mm. Nebraska or something like that, and he was the only non-white person. Yeah. In his town, basically. So anytime there was a black character in the high school play, it was Tony Shalhoub playing the black character. Oh, God. I mean, he definitely, like, even if you say maybe he's a little ethnically ambiguous, I would not peg him for light-skinned black guy. No, but again, I mean, if you're you're in the town and you literally have only, you know, white people to deal to, to. cast and there's one do guy that's show. slightly less yeah. white you don't have to do Othello this year guys do it another time. although that would have been the that best probably one of the best out, roles he got works out yeah. for him in that way yeah. yeah I think he even mentioned some of the roles that he did and I think he might have even said Othello I don't remember but it was I mean, a, what else it was would a, you specifically need that you, that you look who's like, coming he, was, he did, they did the color purple what's <laughs> that not that that's a movie isn't there a movie about a, a woman bringing her black boyfriend home to dinner yeah, look, it's coming play. to dinner. I'd... What's the play, though? Isn't there also a play? If there is, that's what the movie's just based on. Dinner, a, uh, a racist joke that uh, Chekhov makes in Star Trek VI. Yes, as yes, it is. As we talked about last week on the show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> so, can we also talk about the fact that Brand is, first of all, just immediately okay with everything. Which is amazing. I think that there's there's a comment that uh, Sam Rockwell's character Guy says like, "Are you high?" Because he's just weird the whole fucking movie. Yeah, yeah, but it's also, amazing because it's Tony Shalhoub. But he is the first one we see in the film who knowingly murders someone, and he is like gives no fucks about when it. when he presses the button and throws him out in the airlock. Yeah, and he just does it and then makes a crack about the door being squeaky. Mm-hmm. And then he beams up the rock monster to crush all those other guys. He's like, it's He's the simple things. Like, Fred, He's kind of a sociopath. Yeah, Fred like is immediately like, nope, I am committing to this fully. I'm not going to worry about whether or not the air is breathable. I'm going to kill bad <laughs> guys. Like, he is totally... Because, like... Did you notice also that he's snacking most of yeah, the movie? Yeah, he's long? eating most of the film. It's amazing. There's so, like, I watched the, the movie uh, a second time to make sure I could talk about things I'd forgotten. And yeah, he's like at the snack counter when everyone's getting beamed up. He's always got something that he's munching on when yeah. he's at like the, the the tables at conventions. Yep. So it's it's a weird totally yeah. high a lot. Yeah. But yeah, no, like because I mean I'm sure Tim Allen probably killed some lizard men when he authorized the attack on the ship at, early on, but at that point he still didn't know it was real. Yes, mm-hmm. this is true. He like was... by the time Tony Shalhoub, Fred, ejects those two guys into space. He knows full well what's going on. And again, he just jokes about squeaky hinges. Yep, yep. I want to talk a little bit also about the um, sort of the the frame story, which is, you know, that they're 
where there were the washed up actors mm-hmm. and um, how they yeah this the show the movie basically opens and closes with a convention uh, yep. which is having been to st- many Star Trek conventions. I have to say, they fucking nailed the atmosphere mm-hmm. at a Star Trek convention. Like ev- everything about like the it just the, looks sweaty, right? I mean, it looks sweaty. <laughs> I mean, the, I mean, the all like the t- the tables of memorabilia and stuff, and people wearing shitty versions of the makeup from the show. I mean, I, I can remember going to Star Trek conventions, and there would be like people who would have Klingon head makeup on that clearly wasn't. The right size, mm. you know, it was yeah, clearly so something that they didn't could match their skin and color like not what? glued down properly, and sometimes the wrong color for mm-hmm. their skin, and it just like it's it's hilarious. And yeah, I mean, they really nailed the convention, and then like and then the character, like Justin Long's character, and uh, and the associated. What else has Justin Long done? I know this was like his film debut. Uh, he was he was the Mac in the I'm a Mac, I'm a PC ad. Oh wow, that. he grew up. Look at him. He was in one of the Diehards. He tends to play characters kind of like that. He's still yeah. sort of pigeonholed as like kind of awkward, awkward kid. He's he still quite so lanky. Cute though, I loved him. I just thought he was adorable. Yeah, he's super young in it too. Well, looks super. God, young. how young was he? I, I mean, it's Hollywood. He was probably actually twenty three. Yeah, I want to say he was twenty something. Yeah, but uh, I, I don't want to be talking about. Oh my god, he was adorable, and I'd be like, yeah, he was like fourteen. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure the character was probably supposed to be like in high school, but again, it's Hollywood, so he was well, either that or he was just going to be a basement yeah, dweller they, for yeah, life. If they, if they wanted to make it accurate, yeah. he would have been like 40, and yeah. his mother would still be bothering him to take, take out, the, out the trash. If they just cast the mother older, because the father looked significantly older, but she looked younger, so it seemed like more of a May December thing. Whereas if they'd both been older, you'd be like, yeah, he's 40. Or if she's just still putting in the effort because oh. she has to. You know what we ha- we've probably talked about this before. We you know we have to watch for for ten forward one of these days. Moon, is, is, moon, is some kind Trekkers of Star Trek. Porn. Oh yeah, we should watch. I Trekkers. think it was Trekkies. It was a documentary. I think it was released theatrically, like in the theaters. But it was a documentary hosted by Denise Crosby about Star Trek fandom. Mm. And there's, oh, it's just, it's so good. Like Thanks. I can't remember if it came up before or after Galaxy Quest. But if it came up before, it was totally source material for for, the, for Galaxy Quest. Can we also watch Moon? I'm gonna watch Moon. We can watch Moon. Sam Rockwell's in Moon, apparently. You said Sam Rockwell. I would not have recognized was, him because man, in I have a good West. story about Moon. I yeah. haven't seen it, but Sam Rockwell gets his ass out a lot in movies. So I, our friend Steve saw the movie, and I asked them, oh. Uh, I have to ask you one important question, like, really serious. And they're like, oh, what's the question? And I said, do you ever see Sam Rockwell's naked ass? And they're like, yeah. Why would you ask that? <laughs> and I was like, you just see his ass a lot. Yeah, I don't know. He just Green gets Mile, his... Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, at least a couple others. Yeah, Sam Rockwell just gets his ass out. I feel like they offer him the movie, and he's like, okay, but... His ass has his own contract. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this was probably... His ass doesn't like green M&M's. This was probably... I was going to say actually probably the first film I saw Sam Rockwell in, but in reality, the first film I would have seen Sam Rockwell in was the first? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Turtles movie. Yep. But it took me years to find out that was him. This is probably the Ah. first movie I saw him in, but not the first movie I started to recognize him from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would say, like, I wouldn't say this was his breakout role, but it definitely... His breakout role was definitely Zaphod Beeblebrox in the new Hitchhiker's Guide. <laughs> right. No, he was well established. Uh, was he Zaphod Beeblebrox? And yeah. yeah. I haven't seen that movie either. You don't oh. have to. 
that's a he's movie. He's good in it. He's the thing. They, they do weird things with his character, but he's good in it. That's a movie that is cast so well, but the movie itself isn't very good. I like Sam Rockwell in this movie. Oh, he's amazing in this. What's great about him is he's like he is simultaneously he's a weird mix of very self aware and not all at the same time. Like he like you know there's a moment where again where where Fred opens the door, he's like. Is there air? <laughs> you don't know. So he's like, this is reality, not television. But he's also I died up. in episode yeah. 81. He's hung up on the fact that he's a red shirt. Mm. And he thinks that's going to dictate reality. So he's this wonderful mix of going back and forth between, like, how self-aware or not he is. Oh, there was a, a, a line that I only saw on my, on my rewatch uh, outside of the theater. That the, the girl that he's hitting on at that, like, used... The circuitry store or what the fuck were they at? The the savings. Yeah, place. yeah they so were he's, like he's trying he's trying to hit on this girl and the line as she's walking away that you can barely hear because it's kind of to the side is but you live with your mother. Oh. <laughs> and then they focus back on the main storyline. I was like, oh no, guy. Wow, guy Fleegman. I have to say, I wish we could have lost him and kept Quillick. Oh. Sorry, Sam Rockwell. But then we wouldn't have had the great great punchline of Security Chief Rock Ingersoll. <laughs> Which is a wonderful name. Yeah, I feel like they. I feel like they couldn't have gone with the trope of the guy you expect to die is gonna die. I know the random extra is gonna so die. Sad. No, Quillick was very sweet. I'm willing to bet there are. You know, there were probably early drafts where he did, but. Hmm. Also, I totally ship Alan Rickman and Quillick. <laughs> that was that was a beautiful friendship. No, I don't ship it because Quillick thought of him as a father. Oh, so right, that's gross. Yeah, we don't ship it. We wish he could have had his father figure. For longer in That's still life. a ship. That's a relationship. I don't know. I Can't it be? Ship tends to have, I thought, I sexual Well, I didn't say slash. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And, and speaking of the range in actors, let's talk about the late, great Alan Rickman. Oh, so good. I just I just read that, and I don't know if they're still doing it, because I, I, I didn't go far down this rabbit hole on, on the internet. There's been talk about making a Galaxy Quest series, and, now, and, and then uh, Alan Rickman died, and now they're like, we don't know if we're going forward with this would the series replace him you know wait wait so would the series be set in the world of the film or the world of the show within the film i'm not certain i would guess the latter it sounds like the former the former it seems to me like other than the inverse versus out of world situation that probably the orville is kind of the yeah spiritual successor to galaxy quest I know there is, or I don't know if it's an, supposed to be ongoing or a miniseries, but there was a sequel comic, mm. and that was set in the world of the film. And it actually, from what I've read about it, it actually kicks off with a different part of the universe where people are having some big blowout fight, and shit gets fucked up because Tim Allen uses the Omega-13. Mm. And it was going to somehow follow up from there, and it was going to impact... Uh-huh. Yeah, I know there was also talk, like various like, cast members and other production staff were in support of a sequel movie, and then mm-hmm. others were not. I know Enrico Colantoni said, "Yeah, don't make a sequel to the Galaxy Quest because it'll not hold up to the first one because the first one's so perfect." Yeah, it, like where do you go from there? Yeah, it seems. To, yeah, this seems like the like a great movie for there to be one. Of. Yeah, like you don't need. I, I, you I wish there was more though. You didn't I really need liked it. Three Austin Powers movies, you know? Hell, you didn't even need two airplanes. Uh, okay, I thought you were gonna say you didn't I need two Austin Powers. Yeah, movies that were great and didn't need a sequel were Airplane, Ghostbusters. Oh, Ghostbusters Two is trash. 
I like Ghostbusters. I mean, I don't mind Ghostbusters two. I know I I understand and agree with a lot of the critique of Ghostbusters two, but I love Janosch and Peter McNichol is one of those guys who I think. No matter what the project itself is, he's great. Yeah. Um, How about Star Wars? We didn't really need more than one, right? I think we could have stopped after two. Like, if, after Empire, they could have just stopped. Yeah, but then we would have been left with a hanging thread. Yeah, exactly. That thing, this had no hanging threads. Yeah. You know, you had, like, Taggart has learned to stop being a dick. They've got a new show. The Thermians are going to be able to fend for themselves now. Like, it, it's all, it's done, it's wrapped tidy. You know, if they tried to bring it back now, like, even if it was a sequel as opposed to, like, a reboot or something, the studio would be trying to figure out a way to make it part of a fucking cinematic universe. Oh, yeah. Because that's then it always, always end on some kind of a cliffhanger moment. Yeah, post credit sequence where, like, fucking, that's what it'll be. It'll be fucking, they'll make one that's supposedly a reboot, but then in the post credit sequence, Tim Allen shows up and is like, Yeah, I'm Taggart. And you're like, oh, Jesus Christ. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I'm very glad we only got one of these. It's it's a very excellent, singular piece. Right. So you wanted to geek out about uh, Alan Rickman, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, Alan. well, like, talk about a guy that can do pretty it's much so funny. anything. Like, yeah. you know, I, uh, my, my first great. memory, not memory of Alan Rickman, but my, my first exposure to Alan Rickman, I think, as most people, was probably Die Hard. I've never seen Die Hard. You've never seen Die Hard? Oh, we, watch Die Hard. we have to watch Die, Die, Hard's, Hard. Die Hard's another. Die Hard's another one of those movies that didn't need a sequel but got several of them. Six, yeah. yeah. No, um, actually five? Are there four now? Four I don't, sequels? Know. I don't even I don't fucking know. know. Just Die, well, we Die, Die Hard is so. a perfect movie. Why? Why? Anyway, uh, so he plays the villain in, in Die Hard and he's yeah. fucking terrifying. Hans Gruber. Yeah. And then, you know, he's been in... Like he's, he, he, he's, been, he's like a villain. Like that's his, sort of his... Main thing. And he's got that voice. Yeah, he's that got that voice, voice. Just instills fear. Well, except he's also, and again, this does tie into the voice, but he's the Metatron in Dogma. That's right. So he's a good no, guy. He's, right. he's the voice of God, and you're like, yep, of course. And then you have him in something like this, where he's just a fucking comic genius. Yeah. But still, again, leveraging his talents yeah. as an actor and his, you know, like his voice. Which I think... An expression. The expressions were good, too. (laughs) Yeah. But I grabbed Thaw's hammer. (laughs) What a savings. (laughs) Like, okay, so the thing is, is, like, I had never seen Galaxy Quest, you guys know this, until this time. Which, by the way, we saw it at a fucking planetarium. There should be no other way to watch movies than at a planetarium. Yeah, really, really reclined seats. Totally Yeah, I was skeptical uh, about the planetarium. Because it just, because, like, the... The seating and the dome just doesn't seem intuitively like it would right. be a good place to watch a movie, but it actually so worked. So great. Plus, I loved having the star field behind it. Like, I just kind of thought that was nice. Yeah. Did you notice that? The, the yeah, whole they, room they was star field, which I loved. They projected a starscape. Um, but my friends, I have these friends who... Actually, so we crashed a birthday party, kind of, to see this movie. Uh, we would have seen the movie no matter what. Well, we would have. Well, that was the funny thing. It was like, my friend was like, let's go see Galaxy Quest for my birthday. And I was like, oh, sweet. And then you guys were like, hey, let's go see Galaxy Quest for the show. And I was like, oh, sweet. <laughs> so it was like, <laughs> it was business and pleasure. But my friend, whose birthday it was, she always says, by Grabthar's Hammer, what a savings. Like, not yeah. always, but like when it's like... In every context. Appropriate, you know? And, and I never even, I don't think I even ever knew what it was from. Mm. And then to see it, I was like, "Oh my god, that's so good!" Okay, I'm on board now. Yeah, there's so, there's a, there's a lot of classic one-liners in this movie, such as by Grandfather's Hammer. I feel like my first exposure to Alan Rickman was probably the 
Harry Potter movies, but then I saw Die Hard later in life. Mm. The uh, another film that I had seen him in is uh, Love Actually. In this same the same group of friends who were at this birthday party, we watch it every year at Christmas. They love the movie, and I, I like it. I'd only seen it with them, so I've only seen it like twice or three times so far. But at any rate, during during my first view, have you seen Love Actually? Mm-hmm. Have you? I'm Has not. anybody seen Love Actually? Nope. Only you, Caitlin. Alan Rickman. Spoilers ahead for Love Actually. Alan Rickman plays a married with children feller who is like a boss. At a at his job, and um, he like kind of starts an affair with this young woman who's always like trying to get into his pants. Uh, and so I had dubbed him Alan Dickman after watching this film. So I love Alan Rickman though, and I, I love his voice. What else was he in? He was in Sweeney Todd. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He was the uh, the judge. Ugh. Getting his shave on. He. I know that. I think he got his sort of television film career started kind of. Late. I remember reading up on him once. Like Sydney Greenstreet. Not quite that late, but yes. But I, I like know, by the time the voice the voice had had grown in, it's like, oh, we need to put you in. Well, I, like I think, and I could be wrong about this, but I'm like he'd been an actor, but he just I think had just been doing theater for a while. Whereas Sydney Greenstreet had been a math professor most of his life, then very late in his life suddenly became an actor. Who's Sydney mm. Greenstreet? Uh, he was um he was in Casablanca and the Maltese Falcon. Oh, okay, and okay. he portrayed. One of my favorite detectives, uh, Nero Wolf, in the Nero Wolf radio show from the 1940s, yeah. 50s. Again, sort of a fairly distinctive voice in his own way. But um, but yeah, so Rickman, like I said, like, I think he'd been an actor for a lot of his life, but got into film and television a little later. And one of his earliest performances, you can find this clip on YouTube, is... Um, as a very chipper front desk clerk oh, that's of a hotel. And it's like a two-second scene, which only matters now because he has since become famous, of, um... Oh, God. It's either the miniseries version of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy or the miniseries version of Smiley's People. I can't remember which. But, you know, he's relatively young, and he's just very prim, has this little mustache, and has, like, a, a front desk uniform out of a hotel... You know, fancy mm. hotel kind of thing. But I think that's one of his earliest, if not his earliest, hmm. on film in any capacity appearance. Wasn't he also in some cowboy movie? Oh, God, Quigley Down Under. That movie's so bad. That yes. The title sounds bad. Yeah, no, it's just like fucking. Oh, is that the one that's been on my dad's television like every time we've ever been there for Yeah, it's just like, for whatever reason. Years. It's on stars all the fucking time. But... And it's like Tom Selleck is a cowboy in Australia. And actually, it, tying it all back, the woman who was the lead in Just Shoot Me is the love interest. Oh. And Alan Maya, Rickman... What, San Giacomo or something like that? Something like that. But yeah, Alan Rickman is like an evil rancher. It's a terrible fucking film. I thought... That's not what I was thinking of, though. I think I was thinking of, like, City Slickers, but I don't think he's in City Slickers. <laughs> I've never seen City Slickers, so I don't I think know. Billy Crystal is in City Billy Slickers, Crystal right? That's yeah. okay. That's good. I appreciate that you never fully see... Alan Rickman without the makeup in the film. I was going to mention that. Like, how of all of the cast, he's the one that seems to hate the series the most. But he's yeah. definitely going to all the effort. But he's, the... but like, I yeah. Just, I just bet it, t- it takes so much effort to put the head on and take it off that he just leaves it on, knowing, oh, I'm, I'm going to need it again tomorrow. Well, that's the thing. Like, he, he's on. never, you never, the only time you even see his hair is when, it, the, when, it, gets, when it gets ripped yeah, at the end. During the fights. Um, Do you think he just wears it every day? That's what I'm wondering because. So the one aspect of Star Trek convention that they didn't replicate was 
Like, the cast would never show up in costume. Right. That's true. They're Not always a in convention. full kit. But the, these guys always show up as their characters, evidently, which mm. is a little funny. But it works because then you get the fact that Alan Rickman never yeah. not wears his prosthetics makeup. Yeah. Which, I mean, considering during the convention years, he's doing it on his own. His character is very good at makeup. Mm. Yeah, that's the thing. He hates it so much. Like, he's, as we also talked about, like, uh, how Walter Koenig is kind of portrayed in the Futurama uh, episode that we watched. He sort of comes off also as having hated the show. And, uh, you know, I feel like that's that's how Alan Rickman is playing, or how his character is written, is, like, he's definitely the most vocal about hating it. And yet... Be um, what it is. It's because at the end of the day, he's the most serious actor. Right. Five <laughs> curtain calls! I loved the fucking moment when he's like, there's nothing you can say to make me stay. And Tim <laughs> Allen is like... The show must go on. Damn, Damn you! you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So it's good. so good. Because it is. It's that serious actor thing, yeah. you know? And it's just... It's so good. Oh, oh God. Oh, who else is even in this Weaver. movie? Sigourney Weaver. Um, and her tits. I have, and, oh, my God. Sigourney, zip your fucking shirt. We get you have awesome tits, but zip your fucking shirt. Oh, but you know, it's so funny. Well, that was the joke. Yeah, I was going to say, like, it was her fault. Was like, yeah, almost, but, like... Almost unrecognizable as Sigourney Weaver, physically speaking, I feel like. I never think of Sigourney Weaver as having big cleavage. Right, like, because she always plays, like, such a strong, like, like, like a woman. Um, (laughs) If that makes any sense. Why did you just say that, like, B. Arthur? I don't know. Like, you always just, like, it's like, her character on the show is the anti-Sigourney Weaver character. Right? Because like, yeah. she's like the woman who has no purpose other yeah. than to repeat the computer. It's we needed a woman on deck, but don't we actually give her any and, you know, power. And her, and her tits are always out. Yeah. Um, they looked great. I mean, oh, yeah, perfect. I'm yeah, not great. complaining about the tits. No. I also never, like, it's jarring to see Sigourney Weaver as a blonde, I think. Yeah, it's so weird. It was weird. It's still, I've seen the movie a bunch of times, it's still weird. Well, because yeah. I remember you had said that Sigourney Weaver is in it, and I was like, where is she? And then I was like, holy shit, that's bizarre. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, I mean, I grew up on. Ghostbusters, so I'm used to her from that. Yeah. And again, you know, like Alien and Alien. Oh, so she wasn't wearing the negligee, so you were really confused. <laughs> she's blonde and she's wearing opaque clothing. Um, she's got to be like the main villain in The Defenders, apparently. Uh, apparently, like when they were doing casting for the show, they really only wanted like sci-fi noobs. Huh. But they made it like, but Sigourney loved the script so much that they just that she just like insisted like no I have to be in this movie mm. it's so good and I want to be in it and well, she was like also flips open shirt look at these tits well and again I think it helps it like like Jake said it's like the character is the anti Sigourney Weaver which it still works because of that mm. yeah mm. yeah apparently the original director they're originally supposed to have uh, Harold Ramis directing oh wow but hmm. they he had a lot of like ideas of who should play. What's his fucking name again? Taggart? Yeah, uh, yeah Jason Nesmith slash Taggart. He would just cast Bill Murray. Let's no, he real. was going to cast uh, Alec Baldwin. Really? Uh, no, yeah, he was going to cast Alec Baldwin. He also looked into Steve Martin and Kevin Klein. They wouldn't were all... Been, wouldn't Mar- Steve Martin have been a little too old? 
Well, Steve like Martin just always looks like that. He looks though. old. Yeah. He's had even as a, yeah, forever. even as a young man, he looks like that. That's true. Uh, but all of those people couldn't do it. They finally settled on Tim Allen, and uh, I guess uh, Ramus disagreed and left, but realized mm-hmm. later, like, okay, yeah, he did a great job, but he did a great job. So, although being fair, he also wasn't a sci-fi noob because he'd already been Buzz Lightyear by then. That's true. Wait, so I was actually going to ask Toy that. Story come out? I thought Toy Story was ninety-six. Oh, I don't know. No, the first no Toy Story not ninety-six. It couldn't have been that early. It was like it was pretty early. It was like ninety. It was ninety six or ninety seven, maybe. Yeah. This was ninety nine. So Holy shit, was it really was that Christmas early? The first Toy Story was, was in the mid nineties. Holy shit! Can we stop and for a second and talk about how fucking good the animation was in that movie? Nineteen ninety five. Damn Toy Story. Can we also talk about the fact that fucking Hoodwinked, which came out like ten years later, was like eighty percent worse? It's Fucking amazing. So, yeah. So then, so then, because the, the reason why I was wondering about the chain of events is because he is was it Jason? Jason Nesmith, and then in Toy oh, Story he's Mrs. he's Nesbitt. Mrs. Nesbit. So I was wondering uh, one if it was intentional, two what the chain of like what the actual chronology was. But I'm, I'm guessing it's not actually really. We, we'd have to see. It if, is a fun coincidence. We'd have to see if versions of the script before he was cast had a different last name for Jason. Mm-hmm. The so, other thing too is like Tim Allen in general. Is another one of those surprisingly it worked kind of castings. Yeah, he actually like like he's got the bravado. He he also there well there's a few scenes where he has to actually like act and it turns out he can act. There were a couple of those moments I was less a fan. Like the 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 scene in the bathroom where uh, where he's being bad mouthed by Mm. other people at the convention. Just like oh man, what a what a bunch of losers. Do you see Nesbeth and how fucking lame he is? And it's sad for like all of two seconds, and then they launch into the comedy for the next two hours. It was like this scene doesn't seem to like have the effect that I want it to. Mm. This is one of very very few gripes I have about the movie because the movie as a whole is fucking perfect. But it's just like the drama moments, aside from you know Quillen's death, mm. uh, it, like well, this it, one didn't didn't have the effect I thought. Well, because it. it was completely unrealistic. Like that's not how I don't feel like a conversation like that would ever take place like that. Yeah. Like, because what were those two kids even doing there? They weren't in costume. Maybe they were the, the staff of the convention Okay, home, I accept and that. And they were like, there to clean up or something. But the staff was probably also... No, no, because, well, I don't know, because when they're on their way out, they're like, oh man, we're going to go. The Galaxy Quest dancers are going to be on soon. Oh, well, that's why they're there then. They're there to see some fan dance. Mm. Oh, fair enough. But yeah, it doesn't seem dance. like they wouldn't be like... Someone call Uhura. Hey. Seems like people wouldn't be loudly making fun of the convention. They had three guys in full costume taking a piss right next to them. They're assholes. True. It just mm. seemed weird. Fan dance likened that Futurama episode that's referencing Star Trek V, which, which we, we have also watched. Which we watched a couple weeks ago, yeah, that's right. Uh, Should we just explain what's going on no. with these two? No, what are you talking uh, about? No Leave it in, it's great. Exactly. Yeah, now, there. I would say, so the main cast there... Very good. The one character that I really thought they handled not well, and this might be my personal opinion, is the token black guy. I thought the same thing. Because there, Darryl, was, there Darryl was a Mitchell. lot of there was a lot of like tropey black guy Goofy things black like woo and and damn. <laughs> well, I don't know if he ever said damn. It was, but it was still like, the nineties, you know. Yeah. yeah when was, he when he broke his arm and they're carrying him off and he's doing nothing but the high pitched yeah, squealing. Yeah, he's doing like he's doing like, a, like, it was like they said there's like Chris Tucker. Uh, yeah. I was gonna say it was like Chris Tucker yeah. in Rush Hour. I was like just yeah. thinking about. You oh, know, see, I was gonna say, have you seen the Fifth Element? Can you do that? 
Yeah, well, I, exactly. I mean, I think that in Fifth Element, Chris Tucker's character is very much... I don't look at him as being, like, doing black guy stuff. Like, no, that's true. It's more like just he's a really eccentric character. True, true. But, but it sounds definitely like kind of what... Chris Tucker in, in Rush, in Rush Hour. Hour. Yeah. yeah, there's lots of that, like, damn! Which is a Chris Tucker special. Right. I mean, and I'm sure, like, when the movie was made, that was totally a thing that was fine. But I feel like looking at that in the present day, you're like, ooh, that's dated comedy. So I mean, the thing is, I feel character. like even if they made it now, they would still do that. Like, whereas maybe. it's... Whereas like tone it down like a scope, A little, I maybe, think. yeah. Like, Less I feel like, screaming. Yeah. Like, we were talking earlier about well, we're not but sure... think about Leslie Jones's treatment, though, in Ghostbusters. She mm. wasn't saying, damn, but she was... Yeah. I didn't, I didn't see it. All I saw was the ads, and the ads made it look... A lot like that. Was yeah, that's what, it what was. I mean. So that's like, why I'm yeah, saying no, they like, were I don't think. Hell no. Yeah, yeah like I yeah, feel no, that like that was representative of. of the yeah, guy, and I think yeah. that that's like to the point. Like, yeah, they probably would have done it very similarly today. Yeah, yeah unfortunately, and like, and I don't think you know. Whereas we, it's a little up in the air about what the hell was going on with Tony Shalhoub's character. Like, mm. I don't think this guy was meant to be a parody of the sort of treatment of the token black actor. I think he was just unfortunately the token black actor and treated as such. Mm. I sort of wondered if it was. So I was thinking a little bit of um, Gary Coleman a little bit, just because Gary Coleman was like a, a black child actor, mm. um, and I just didn't know if I could be stretching. Well, I, I mean, I think, I, that, so that's, good... I think they missed an opportunity in the story with the fact that he was the child actor on the show, Yeah, and having the, him now an adult in the present day of the movie... I think like they didn't like there weren't any jokes really. The only joke around that was when they first meet the Thermians. Oh, they're like, up. "You've grown so much." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And like I mean, to his credit, you know, he clearly escaped the child actor curse. I mean, he's not doing anything, but he's also not in prison. This is true. Any other, you know, like or not, a big douchebag. He or, seemed like a douchebag or on drugs. Yeah, like his only problem was with Tim Allen, and that's fair because Tim Allen's an asshole. Mm. I uh, when we were watching the movie, I was like, "Why do I know?" This actor. Why do I know this actor? Why do I know this oh, actor? Daryl Mitchell? Yeah. And I answered my question, like, immediately after. It was, like, yep. in the car on the way home. And I was like, holy shit! He was a teacher, like, an English teacher in 10 Things I Hate About You. Ah. And that's what I recognized him from. Hmm. And, like, the reason why I remembered what I knew him from was because suddenly there was, like, a blooper reel at the end of 10 Things I Hate About You. And suddenly his part in the blooper reel like came up in my head and I was like holy shit he was in 10 things I hate about you but then Chris looked him up and the poor guy was in a car accident in 2001 and he's paralyzed from the waist down oh, that sucks. but he's acting again you yeah, said what's he acting. in nowadays he's in one of the many many NCIS's hmm. as like a computer expert but that's why he sort of disappeared for a little bit yeah yeah as I say because like every other all of the other characters in the movie all the other main actors in the movie are, are yeah, they pretty much were all established actors. I, uh, like Sam Rockwell on the cusp, I would say, but the rest of them were all... Well, he's definitely blown up by now, a, too. Yeah, yeah. Sam yeah, Rockwell's a, a, a superstar now. But the rest of them all had were established actors when they made the movie, Yeah, except for him. Yeah, he was... Um, which I thought was interesting. Oh, but an interesting earlier sort of statement, Caitlin. He's also obviously, to a certain extent, just... Um, even though a lot of this was parodying the original series, he was clearly a little bit of a TNG nod because there's like obviously a, like a Wesley, Wesley Crusher thing going on yeah. with him. The boy he's young, genius. he's the pilot. He, in his own head, came up with how everything worked. Yeah. 
Because that is something I mean, that I mean, said he did. I mean, the, Wait, they did that mean? on TOS, too. Like, I mean, some of the designers of the sets and stuff like came up with that whole fucking Bible of mm. this is what every single button does. I think in one episode of something or other, a, a new director came in and said, Takei, I want you to press that button to do such and such. And he said, I can't do that. I mm. will not do that. I will walk. Because that button blows up the ship. <laughs> well, I guess there was less... Because I heard an interview with Wheaton once, and he was saying like there, there was less specific instruction in TNG. So he was saying on that he kind of came up in, in his own head what everything did and mm. tried to stick to that as much oh, yeah. as he I mean, could. How could they possibly have dictated what all those buttons do? Like, yeah. like there are so many more buttons. Yeah. In, well, <laughs> like, not the buttons, but like touch screens. And yeah, stuff. it's all very... And I loved that in Galaxy Quest that they that that's what they did was they watched so carefully to see like what, mm. how, like that the ship was literally built to work exactly the way they had like shown it Including working. the stupid crushers. Well, and like oh, not crackers. to, and not to. Oh yeah, whoever wrote this, whoever wrote this art, this episode should die. Okay. <laughs> in the countdown, stopping at zero, no yeah. matter when you actually hit the or button. One, one, yeah, one rather. One that was it. such a great thing because the ship never blows up on the TV series. Yeah. It was like that's great. I, I well, loved that. At one on the show. <laughs> I loved that. Um, there was so much that was so good. Yeah. I like. And I the wanted to watch the it. transporters are only made for human life. <laughs> Like, oh, we don't, we, we've never gotten into work because it's only made for you yeah, guys. Oh, God, monster. that weird That's pig thing. Yeah. Well, because if you turn a rock inside out, it's still just a rock, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't know. <laughs> but it is inside out. Inside out. <laughs> and it exploded. <laughs> <laughs> that guy was somebody, too, wasn't he? He looked very know. familiar. Oh, and Kevin from Kids in the Hall showed up at yeah. The, yeah. The, last, yeah. the last bit. He was a good me smile. The show. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like a, a very short cameo. But, like, some of the lines that he says off-screen as he's introducing the yeah. cast coming off the <laughs> ship is great. Give him a big hand! He's British! <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Another shipmate! Yeah, Sam Rocco walks <laughs> The more the merrier. Um, Yay. Yeah, that was good. I wonder if those were ad-libbed. Uh, I hope so. I hope so, too. Kevin McDonald, right? Yeah. Yes. yeah one McDonald, of the almighty yeah. tallest in Invader Zim. Mm. Yeah, I was thinking, I meant to say this earlier, Andrew, we were talking about people they were looking at before Tim Allen. Mm-hmm. Was, what would have been interesting about Alec Baldwin is... He's wonderful. Attractive. At that he is very pretty. point, mm-hmm. though, his career actually was kind of in a slump. In the so 1990s. Late 90s, like the late 90s, early oh. 2000s, he really wasn't doing anything. Except so, probably calling his daughter a fat pig on the phone or something. No, no that was after he got famous again. Oh, um, but yeah, like so, it would have been a little metatextual there because he actually would have been in the midst of a bit of a career slowdown. Mm-hmm, whereas Tim Allen was either just in or just off of Home, home Improvement. improvement. Mm. That's a good show. When are we going to do a Home Improvement podcast? Uh, it's oh, not man, a good a show, so. show. Oh, I liked it. I remember. If you just it. like did a supercut of all of the Tool Time segments from Home Improvement, that might be good. <laughs> I think there's a Tool Time porn. They're definitely oh, obvious. Sure they're they're definitely what was the girl's name? Heidi? Yes, there was a Tool Time porn. <laughs> yeah, she was hot. I mean, plus it was called Tool Time. Oh. Okay, did we want to jump right to tentacle porn, or was there something else we wanted to talk about? I always want to jump right to tentacle porn. Because my vote is tentacle option. porn. Well, we should, we were, we, we've hit everyone except Saris, as okay. far as the main cast okay. goes. He also kind of has tentacles. No, he doesn't. He's a bug. Yeah. Tentacle porn. He does have that weird, is that his head or a hat that I he has? I assume it's his like, head. Like the weird crab with the legs. feelers on it. Yeah. Yeah. No, he is a wonderfully creepy design. It's he has, a nice you feel like he's a lizard and a bug, and he's just all these sort of. Oh, I just felt like he was a bug. Traditionally, like things. 
He kind of looked like a turtle to me. I thought he was. Yeah, I thought it was a grasshopper. Yeah, I, I grasshopper. would say probably more of the bug family for sure, mm. something like that. I did like that. You know, he did get fucked up by Tim Allen's attack. The when first we, one. Because when we first see him, he's got two eyes. When we see him from there on out, he's got the like plate that. over that. Oh, I didn't know that either. And his lips all cut up. Oh, yeah, his, his face is fully intact. Tim Allen does fuck him up a little. Yeah, because I know, like, they, I know they did sustain damage, and that's why he killed his first lieutenant. Yeah. Whoops, sorry, guy. I like how they got around all of his crew not having to do the crazy CG head on by just having them wear like some kind of helmet looking thing with mm. spaghetti on it. Well, I had a question actually, kind of, which was since they were using translators for everybody, was his mouth movement a little off? And was that on purpose, or was his mouth movement just off because, like, their animatronic or whatever they were using wasn't great? Probably the animatronic. Yeah, I don't think it was. Because all the Thermians' mouths moved fine. Because they were people. Yeah, but if they were going to keep, if that was on purpose, they would have bothered to, like, yeah. do and something. When, and when Missy Pyle's translator was broken, yeah, she just made those She noises. just made a noise, and her mouth just opened. <laughs> That was weird. Yeah. Oh, that sound. <laughs> but yeah, I know Sarah's actor was mostly a voice actor, right? Yeah, Rob, Robin Sachs. Um, he did a lot of Mass Effect. He did a lot, a lot of video games, it sounds like. The other uh, the other not main character we should probably bring up is uh, someone who later came to uh, some renown ah. and, and is playing um, Mud on Discovery. Rain oh, God, Rain I didn't make that connection. Rain Wilson played one of the Thermians, one of the background. He, he had, a, like, a line or two. He got but. to hug of Tony Shalhoub. Yeah, he's one of the engineers. Yeah, that was I had one another... Speaking... Going back to Tony Shalhoub for just a second. Please um, do. Love him. I was <laughs> wondering if uh, maybe in your research you found anything about him not being able to shoot, like, shooting schedule conflicts. Because one thing I noticed is that he is not in a lot of the movie. Like, he's an engineer. He's an engineer. It's like, it's like how Scotty's rarely around because he's an engineer. Yeah, but I don't know. I just felt like it was weird that there's many scenes when he's just not there. Mm. I feel like for an ensemble movie, he would have been there more. Mm. At least they had on the away team. Yeah. Like, I feel like a lot of the hemming him in engineering might have just been a, uh, a device to work around his shooting schedule. Or I, don't know. I feel I feel like that's that it worked into the plot. I think though. it worked. I they, they would it. have they would have had to know the plot before they knew his his schedule or something. Mm. Yeah, but they could have like just that. had him deliver those lines on the bridge. Like there was no reason for him to be in engineering. I don't know. It was kind of more fun to like show him in engineering being completely incompetent, and not knowing what he was doing. Yeah, while well, yeah. everything in the background oh, is yeah, people you guys falling got it down right again. Good yeah. job. Group hug. <laughs> so cute. I adore Tony Shalhoub. So did Layla. Like little. And I loved when the, the whole crew was on board and they all were like repeating their names and like being really excited. Like I just thought it was so cute. Oh. I, I love, I just really love Enrico Colantoni. That's what it really is. And so yeah. this was like, this was a treat. It was a treat for the eyes and the heart. Yeah. So what's, what's great is, you know, you're like, oh yeah, so Tony Shalhoub doesn't know they're squid monsters. Because when they come in in squid form, he's still back on Earth buying snacks. That's right. I was like, I was like, why is I was like, why is Tony Shalhoub into this? I was Did like, doesn't he know what she looks like? And Chris is like, nope. He was still on the planet when they were accidentally out of their uh, yeah, no, skin he suits. He doesn't beam in until they've got their holograms didn't, back on. Didn't he see uh, Mathazar getting tortured? tortured? Not Mathazar, the other one, the the previous one. Oh, oh that too. Yeah, Mathazar when he got you. when he got tortured, he like. Yeah, blipped he was into, into true, his other true. form a couple of times. Oh, I, I but I mean, at the point end of the day, he doesn't care, so... I mean, it's fucking hot. 
I, I have to mention one of my favorite It's fucking jokes. hot. Shut up. It's making one. out with Tony Shalhoub. One of my Shalhoub. favorite jokes that okay. we didn't mention already is the scene when they're having the dinner and everyone's got like the best oh. food and they're like oh yeah we, we created food for you know native to your home planets and Alan Rickman has a plate of bugs you notice know, uh, uh, Chief Engineer Chen had his uh, Chinese food of some kind oh did he? he did he was using chopsticks oh, further evidence shit, that's further so evidence good. towards my theory what's well, actually really kind of a really subtle one but is also just really clever on the part of the, the producers or direct whatever director I don't know because Laredo, you know, was a kid originally, so he's just got hot dogs and French fries. Oh, I didn't know <laughs> Which that must one. suck. Tim Allen's there with his big steak, and he's got fucking probably not even good hot dogs. They probably like I'm you know, sure they're good boiled hot dogs. fucking. Oh, do you notice also where I wonder if this was an, a subtle nod to, to Captain Kirk? Was that uh, he said that we get we made you you know the Thurmy said oh we made you stuff native to your homeland and he and Tim Allen was like oh this is like Iowa fed Iowa oh, beef maybe yeah. I thought so in um. Star Trek VI, when they're having dinner, they're eating this sort of unpleasant-looking pasta. Yeah. And at one point, Sam Rockwell eats some sort of unpleasant-looking pasta and immediately gags. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I know that, like, it, I, the, the, and the audio commentary for the movie... For Galaxy Star Trek VI? Star Trek VI. It's either the audio commentary or one of the documentaries. They talk about the fact that Nicholas Meyer offered the actors a bonus if they actually ate. Because, mm. like, often you don't see eating... In, um... yeah, we know this, Chris. You told us this last week. Come on, buddy. <laughs> Slipping. <laughs> and uh, so that's why there's always these awkward, not quite eating scenes in movies. Mm. Yeah. I, I think the only one that took him up on it was Shatner. I think he's the only Shatner, actually Yeah, Shatner, well, I feel like he fucking we'll always wants seconds and thirds yeah. of fat. I mean, fuck. I remember in, I think it was Corbomite Maneuver a million and a half years ago, he just mowed down on those food cubes. I wonder yeah. what those were made of. Did, did you ever read that? Were they like I'm melon sure, or something? Yeah, I'm sure they, they were they fruit. Were, like mm. various cantaloupe and stuff like that. But yeah, back to that's what I would like. They're made out of the material that wax lips are made out of. <laughs> so see, Ames, I didn't realize, I, yes, making out with Tony Shalhoub, I'm sure, is hot. I thought you meant the tentacle porn was hot. The tentacle porn was alright. Yeah, it looked <laughs> good. He made it look good. I and love she made it look good too. The so look of surprise, and then the like, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, good for you. Get it. You gotta feel this poor woman, though. She eventually goes back to Earth, and like, now she must understand how it all works, though. She's on the show. Yeah, but like, how did she but, take uh, that? But here's the thing. I think, I think they're, the whole idea of them is they're extremely competent engineers, mm. but they just they have no sense of. So I, I, my point is, I I don't think that the that the Thermians have the wherewithal to realize even when they're confronted with the truth of what things are, because it wouldn't have been very hard for them to look at Earth and reason that. Yeah, this is not the headquarter planet of the space exploration agency or whatever it was. Yeah, Yeah. they clearly don't have this technology. Yeah. I don't know, she could be just blinded by her love for for Fred Kwan. Maybe he has to explain they have to recreate the historical documents for transmission or something. I don't know. Mm. Mm. She must wonder, like, why didn't she just have a proper ship? Uh, One little touch that was kind of nice is that uh, Alan Rickman's makeup in the opening credits for... The journey continues, or whatever they called it, is a little bit more detailed. Hmm. Like there's a bit more the the purple's a little richer, and there's hmm. a bit more um, gradient sort of going on. So like they've got a bit more because it's now. supposed to be thirteen or so years later. Yeah, yeah, and they've got a, and they've got a little more money, and you know, hmm. and he's not doing it himself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, 
So while I adore the love between uh, Fred Kwan and Liliari, I thought the the weird romance between Jason and Gwen was just unnecessary. Yeah, it never... Yeah, it kind of comes I, out of... I feel like there was more to it, and then they had to cut back. Yeah. And they kept yeah. moments, and it's like, why? Yeah, like, you feel like there's an implication of there's a specific 13 seconds he'd like to take back when he says, long enough to fix a single mistake. Oh, I didn't think of that. Because the way he looks at it when he says it, like, okay, something happened specifically. Yeah. That he, we don't know what it is. He, he peed on her. Hi, kitten. Oh, that's a little black cat. Hey, buddy. Um, yes. hey, uh, He's more like one of those critters on that that sand dune planet that attacks oh, with all, with their rows of teeth. Those things. Oh, they were cute. That Sam Rockwell called that though. Yep. Yeah, they're gonna get ugly and dangerous. There's gonna be a million of them. Let's get out of here before, before one of those things kills Guy. That's the point. Like my even line. even they're into it now. They know uh, that he's the expendable one. Right. Yeah. Are we at the point where I can go into? Uh, <laughs> Um, yes. Yes. Okay. So, I would like to point out an error okay. <laughs> in this film, and this is not joking, I'm going to come out of character for a minute to say this, this has literally bothered me since the first time I saw this movie. Almost 20 years then. Almost 20 years. Holy shit, I can't believe it Having seen this is. movie, this bothers me every fucking time, and I can't get over it, and it ruins a good joke in the movie for oh. me, and that is when they are... Leaving the space dock, mm-hmm. and they lose, and and he's he's not steering the sh- the ship, and it screeches along the side. When they show it screeching along the side, it's the nose of the ship. It's yeah. the front of the ship. Yep. But then when it leaves the space dock, there's some weird M. C. Escher nonsense going on because there's a there's giant wings on the ship. Yeah, the nacelles. They are couldn't fine. be scratching the nose in the way that they show. Mm. With the giant wings, the giant wings would have been crushed against. And I kept I, assuming it was the wings that were scraped. No, it's it was the, the nose. Because they even show yeah, the there's, nose a, is like, there's a skid mark across the front of the ship. Partly oh. pulled the name off. Um, so yeah, I've always kind of wondered about that. It, that's like one of those. It's 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 one of those like movie details that always bothers me. And like not either other people notice them and it doesn't bother them or. Yeah, I've looked at it yeah, at many no. different angles, and like people have been it like, doesn't oh, work. Like they were at a certain weird angle, but when you actually look at the ship emerging from the space dock, it clearly does not work. So, shame on yeah, them. Yeah, because that wing would take out the whole side, because the wing is extending further. Well, or the actually, side would take out the whole wing. Maybe it did, right? Because later in the film, Enrico... Laredo killed all those people? I think so. <gasps> Because he, cause he mentions, you know, oh, we're all that's left. And I'm thinking, what about all those people who are back on the space dock? Mm. You're like, oh. Well, I'm guessing Sarah's killed them, too. Maybe. That's, I, what, I, that's I also, what I figured, too. I figured that, like, Sarah's was like, oh, I blew up your... Well, it's also possible that by, you know, he just says we. He didn't necessarily specify just the we on the ship. There are, you mm. know. Which I always kind of assumed. I realized they never say it in the film, but... Their little space dock is built into the remains of a planet. I always assumed it was their home world. Maybe. Like, Saris had fucked it up, and that's why they had this partial planet they had built their space dock into. The, uh, but that's one of the... Like, I, re- I realized that there's cer- certain things, like movie details... Yeah. ...that either other people recognize them or they don't acknowledge them, but for whatever reason, I always get hung up on, like, weird little fucking details. One, I think I've talked to you about it before, Chris... And I've mentioned it to people, and nobody has seen it. But I, it's another thing. From the first time I ever saw this movie, I always noticed this weird thing that happens. And maybe our listeners can can confirm this. 
or they can look it up on on some you you YouTube. But I swear to God, when Darth Maul activates his two bladed lightsaber, oh yeah, you've shown me this. The handle, the two bladed lightsaber handle, gets longer when he turns on the second blade. Yeah. If you watch fucking when when he's fate when he walks in and that you know when that starts he turns up he holds out his lightsaber his two-handed lightsaber and it's you know x it's unit length so he's a grower not a shower and he turns on the thing and and then he turns on the second side and you're like holy fuck the thing's got two sides but when he turns on the second side the fucking thing gets longer the handle gets longer by like an inch or two. Yeah. Now Jake showed me the clip. It does happen, and yeah. now I will never unsee. And nobody. And like I'm. And like I well, think I'm the only person that's ever noticed it because I even looked it up on like Google. Like, why did this happen? Because I'm sure it's like something to do with the VFX for whatever. Something reason. or just. Well, it, 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 well, it goes from being a a one-handed weapon. A one-handed well, weapon. They can two-handed lights. A normal lightsaber, but you know, you'd but from need... from a sword to a side. Yeah. yeah. You... Well, his was already... Like, bow, bow, the thing is, side. his was already extra long. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it is clearly a visual glitch. Yeah, something like, It's not funky. an intentional thing that it did. It was like, there. it's a glitch in the end, in the, in the, in the visual effect. It's gotta be. Like, hmm. huh. Yeah, it's very well, weird. I would be sad that I'll never unsee that, but uh, I'm... My watching episode one days are long behind me, so I can live with it. Fair enough. Music's good, though. But yeah, Galaxy Quest. The classic issue of, oh shit, our dilithium is broken. Yep, yep, Mm, that was great. That was nice. Yeah, what are the odds that the thing that they obviously made up for the show was an actual (laughs) thing that can power a spaceship? Yeah, that's that's a good point. Also, the the sort of abandoned uh, mining station felt very TOS. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, the bit with uh, with um, Tim Allen rolling, like doing the doing, <laughs> the, doing the roll, losing the roll. his shirt, Why are you doing that. It worked. <laughs> I see you managed to get your shirt off again. <laughs> I yes, like that. Definitely, definitely throwbacks to uh, Kirk. But hey, yeah. that means Tim Allen did his own stunts. It's true. Or Jason Nesmith. Nesmith did his own stunts. Yeah. I mean, That's true. I don't think Shatner William Shatner did. would have ever done a roll on his own. Shatner did, did a lot of roll kicks. On his own. He did some yes. jelly rolls. <laughs> the Yum. only thing they could have done to make it better was to work in a two-handed shoulder chop. A nice judo chop. To take somebody down. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah nobody had a Vulcan neck pinch. You would have thought that uh, Alan Rickman's character might have Alan, had a... He had the super strength to try yeah. to pull the door open. Well, they yeah, had, they the had strength chant and the, the stealth yeah. maneuver. It was like his his species was a weird mix of like Vulcan and Klingon. Yeah. Like it seems like, especially like the kind of food that he eats, mm-hmm. certainly. His little fucking CGI ticks. Um, you know what I thought? Uh, considering they built up the Omega-13 so much, mm. the scene where we finally see it used, I felt like it was... Like super fast, it almost felt a little bit a little a, abrupt. a little like a letdown. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's oh, it goes back thirteen seconds. So you know, he walks in, kills everybody, flip it back, goes back thirteen seconds, and, and fix it. And it's like, yeah, but even in the like, it didn't feel like so like bad that everybody got killed. It didn't feel like a big climactic moment at that point anymore. Well, because you didn't have time to let it, like, sink in. Yeah. You had to, to get it to yeah. 13 seconds. I will say, you know what I do love about that scene, though? You don't see Guy get it. 
Everyone else you watch get injured or killed. They cut, the one time they cut to him, he's like freaking out, but we don't see him get shot in mm. that scene. And that's why we It is possible that even before Tim Allen reverse time, Guy did not get killed. Now, do you think there were any off-screen, unshown, intermediate attempts to avert the di- the disaster? Like, how many times do you think he activated the Omega-13 before he got it perfect? He didn't even really get it perfect that time, because the fucking bug monster still, like, lived. That's yeah. true. Yeah, as soon as they had the thing with where they, you know, where they were... Um, Sigourney Weaver and uh, Tim Allen were talking to Justin Long, and he was like, oh, what, what does the Omega-13 do? And, and Justin Long was like, oh, well, it is a... We, some people uh, theorize... I'm glad he has your nerd voice. Like, you knew that it was going to be that. Well, yeah, especially in a comedy. Like, obviously, it's going to be the good one. Yes. I, I read a bunch of reactions to the movie by the Star Trek cast and crew who went and saw it. Patrick Stewart apparently got, got goaded into seeing it by Jonathan Frakes, which is the most adorable thing ever. <laughs> but one, a couple of them all gave major props to say, like, it is so great that it's the fans that help them out and mm. that save the day, and that's adorable. Well, yeah, I, I was thinking of that when we watched it. It's a really interesting... The whole thing also serves as a really interesting commentary on sort of fandom. And that, like, it's all the sort of the... For all the people sort of make a, make fun of it and the geeky aspects and the conventions and this and that, like, the fact that there is a positive aspect to it that a lot of people sort of ignore. I mean, the Thermians build their entire culture around it and that sort of saves them. Not just because they bring them in later to help them and sort of show them things, but, like... He even said their their culture was collapsing hmm. until they got this show, and it sort of helped them give themselves a, a backbone to their rebuilt society. They're squids; they don't have backbones. Those Good point. Hey. Oh God, Gilligan's Island! Surely you don't think Gilligan's Island is real? But yeah, no, I thought that watching it, like, because I'd forgotten that aspect of it. That in a way, it's sort of a for all that it's sort of a, an affectionate parody of the original series. It's also making a case for the fact that that there is a big positive aspect to being really into something. Yeah. Although I don't think their Roman candles did fucking anything at the no, end. No, it was just so he could be confusing his parents with an armful of fireworks. Also, that ship fucking crashed and <laughs> there would have been a lot of fucking questions. Yeah, right. I, yeah. No one, like, that's what but I was no thinking. But no one said it, just give him a TV show. Yeah. Like, the government must have just been like, huh. Interesting. Cover it up. Hmm. Cover it up. Quick. But maybe the men in black came, vaporized everybody's memory of that incident, and that's why they gave him another two. Yeah, Caitlin sure. solved this, it. This is, a, this is. Um, it's set in the same universe. It's set in the same. It's set in the See? Men in Black Galaxy Quest universe. Two. Men in Black Four. Huh? Oh. Uh, I ship it. I mean, there actually. I don't, I think it has since died. Stop. But there was no. actual no discussion no. of bringing Men in Black and the Twenty One Jump Street movies. Into the same universe? I don't They're, know much about 21 Jump Street. It's, uh, there's been two of them so far. It's Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill. Okay. And, um, it's based on a TV show, and the whole premise was they took cops who looked really young and had them infiltrate, like, high school and shit to deal with high school crimes. That has anything to do with Men in Black How? So, they were gonna have the two policemen from the 21 Jump Street movies, like, somehow cross over with Men in Black. Become Men in Black? Yeah. Possibly. It's like, yeah. it's like a, it's a, it's a, Comedy about policemen at in a school. 
Yeah. Combine it, it with a comedy, comedy about, about government covering up aliens. So there we go. So the Jump Street movies, Men in Black, Galaxy Quest. We, we are Gilligan's Island. Gilligan's Island. Done. Oh, man. Why? Well, no, because Wait, Gilligan's how is Island there... is a show in, the, in that universe. Yeah. Was there, was there anything else? I loved it a lot. Yeah, no, it's, I hadn't seen it in a long time, and I'm glad it not only held up, I think it's probably better than I remembered, which I is pleasant really, to say. I really want to watch it again. Oh, like, I know I a really, thing. Really I know a thing it. that'll get us out of here, and it, hopefully we don't talk about too long, because I know Jake wanted to bring up, so we saw this, you know, in a planetarium in a the theater setting, mm-hmm. and people applaud at the screen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. pisses Can Jake Can we talk off. about this? <laughs> Can we talk about this? Has Larry David ever talked about this on the show? Because I feel like this would drive him this crazy, This is Jake too. turning into Larry I don't David. Know. Incrementally. Oh, like, I have a daily. feeling, though, that this is a repeat of a conversation we had when we talked about Star Trek Two, mm. because I'm sure that's going to happen when we see Star Trek when we saw Star Trek Two in the movie theater, um, but here's the thing: I I plan to have retroactively clapped for Wrath of Khan. I'm sure people will have clapped when we saw that. I'm sure I will remember have what done verb that. tense is this? Remember have done that. This is like Jake is at a strong. This is past preterite. There's that whole section in either the first or second Hitchhiker's Guide book where they have to talk about how complex some uh, verb forms the complexity of verb forms they've had to create because of time travel Mm -hmm. I think it's the second one because it comes up with relation to the guy that is temporarily dead for tax purposes and that's like the universe no restaurant at the end of the universe rather sorry go on yeah but it's a fucking movie yeah who are you clapping who are you applauding I applaud the projectionist the projectionist please Please, this isn't fucking... And our MC, the MC was really nice. They were playing... There were two MCs. They yeah, but in a, in a movie theater, like, this was, you know, a, a special at the planetarium. Yeah. Like, at a movie theater, there isn't an MC. They Still were, the projectionist. They were playing... The projectionist pressed play on the DVD player, okay? This wasn't like someone was up there cutting reels together and, <laughs> yeah. you know, looking for the fucking... Dropping hot beans. Like, literally, when we got there, you could even see they had just paused a Blu-ray. Yeah. Yeah. So... I don't, I, I, I refuse to clap at movies. I know you I, do. You will not see me clap at a movie. You scowl a lot instead. I will fold my arms <laughs> in protest of the movie clapping. And shout, nope! Even if he enjoys the movie. Oh, yeah. Especially if I enjoy the movie. Especially if I enjoy the movie. I mean, I suppose if I was at, like, I don't get it in, like, just normal circumstances. I would understand if I was, like, at a premiere and I knew people involved in the creation yeah. were there, then sure. Do that. But, yeah, like, and again, even, like I said, with the thing we were at, or, like, Ames said, rather, like, yeah, all right, there was some staff there, and they were very nice, so it's for them, say. But, yeah, I was at, like, I remember at episode three, people fucking applauded oh, that. Oh, oh, yeah, when the goddamn a long time ago in a faraway galaxy. Woo! Yeah! Fuck yeah! Oh! Oh no, Jake. Wow. Gonna have to turn that I mean, down. people do that at Star Wars because they're fucking. Uh, 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 oh, oh my god. Star's Vader! But like. Are, but are they literally me at every Star Wars movie I've ever seen? Yeah. That's a really good I mean, the lesson here is that, you know, save when it's a special presentation at a movie theater like we saw. Star Trek fans just have more dignity. When the movie's new, we don't, we don't, we don't clap for it. Yeah, well, uh, I'm his, sure people clap for people it. People do. And here's another thing about there about it. that happened at the planetarium that I was none too pleased with. No. Before 
the movie, when we were still waiting in the lobby, a guy comes out and says, the doors will be opening momentarily. And people clapped! People were like, yeah! Fucking doors! Who claps at that? I don't know, my fat ass is ready to sit down. I want to sit down and start <laughs> clapping for a clapping of applause! <laughs> I just, I... Society, there's two things that we as a society <laughs> have got, have fucked up. Just two? Well, there's two in particular that I'm thinking of. Okay. Of the things, here are two. Of two, of all of the things wrong with society, here are two of them. Donald Trump clapping too much. Mm-hmm. We are far too quick to clap. Okay. The clapping, the clapping has got to stop. Stop it! <laughs> and the second thing, I woo. <laughs> and the second thing is fuck. Now you made me th- not think of it. Ah, uh, shit. Oh, oh, oh! Hugging. Everyone's got to be hugging now. I'd agree with that. Too much There's hugging. too much hugging. Too much hugging. Too much... Oh, it's... Oh, I'm saying... Like, it's one thing... Oh, I'm saying goodbye to you for years. You're moving to Venezuela. Fucking give me a hug. But now it's like a casual goodbye. It has to involve a hug. Oh, I'm going to see you next week. Give me a hug. Fuck that! Fuck that! And I'm the rude one for being like... Yeah, 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 I need to hug. I feel like we hug goodbye sometimes. Now. Yeah, and I hate it every time! <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Noted. <laughs> so yeah, the, the hugging, and I, you know, whatever. It's it's what we're doing as a society now. We're hug. We're a hug based society, mm. and that's just the that's just a fact. Hug, hugs are like quatloos now. I do I do often make fun of how overly puritanical this country still can be, but I got to admit I would be. Would have been okay if we'd still kept the hugging at I, you more know, of a distance, less frequent. I would be, be I would be more, more drinking before noon on Sundays. I would be less more hugging. comfortable with touching dicks. I was gonna say kiss on the cheek. I would say the kiss on the cheek. Oh no, I wouldn't like that. That's, really? that's better for me. Because, I don't know because that's just a good, you know. See, you say that because you know people wouldn't want to do it with you because you usually have a beard. I think they'd want to do it. It's more. a really soft. No, I, I was gonna say I I would get in there and rub my face against that magnificence. Um, but. I don't know because I feel like a hug. There's a there's an intimacy with a hug. Mm. Your bodies are pressed together. Yeah. You tit, know, tit on tit action. Tit to tit. You know, it, dick, it can't dick get to dick. You know? Oh, well, you, you you do a lean out. Um, <laughs> you stick your bum out while you hug another man. Exactly. And then someone it's, can tap an that bum behind. Yeah. You know, which actually brings us back around. Does it? It didn't occur to me How until this watching. But like at the end of the film. Tim Allen vaporizes Saris, and the audience goes apeshit because they think it's a show. So I said to Caitlin, Yay, we just witnessed a murder and have no idea! Woo! <laughs> yeah, but you know, that's a. Um, if you'd seen that. Oh, yeah, no, and I'd cool. not known it was real. I'd thought, that's fucking astounding. That is some actual magician shit, not sitting in a box full of water. Mm-hmm. I haven't found that clip still. So That's I, I, it may not. It, it, for all I'm, I'm figuring, it may not have been a magician. It may have been an actual. Oh no! Player. I remember. I remember when they did it. Really? And, like, the I guy was always shared it. I thought it that was a different. That was a world record attempt. Oh. Who was this? What are you talking about? From ages back, we talked about um, the magician in scare quotes who like was in water for like ten days or whatever. Which again, what? to clarify, because I realized I didn't make it too clear in the episode. 
It's not that the stunt isn't impressive, but that's not magician. That's just a stunt. Well, that's kind of like David Blaine now, right? Like, pretty much everything David Blaine does... Yeah, maybe that's what it was, in fact. ...is just a stunt. Yeah, but he still gets to be called a magician for some stupid reason. Mm-hmm. I'm not even sure if he could do pick a card, any card. But yeah, so all those people applauded a murder and had no idea. Yeah. And that's kind of darkly funny. Co-starring Rock Ingersoll. All right, with that, uh, that has been Galaxy Quest. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. As always, please do find like our Facebook page, Just Artist Year Herby. We are on both Twitter and Tumblr as SSHB Podcast. Do please subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting application. And if you have iTunes or use iTunes or whatever, please consider giving us a rating and a review. Uh, next week, we are... Finally starting the next generation, so look forward to that. I know Jake's excited. Check the next generation. I didn't know there were words to it. Oh, he said ages ago there are. He said he's going to sing them for us. I will sing them for us next week uh, when we do Encounter Farpoint. So, for a star to steer her by, this has been Chris. This has been Ames. This has been Caitlin. And this is always Jake. Thank you very much for listening. Be sure to tip your yeoman. I'm just making up bullshit. I might, I'm probably, there's like a 75% chance I'm making up bullshit. I don't know.